you've got a pencil, you may, or a pen, or something to take notes with, you may want to jot down, because I've got several scriptures I'm doing today, and um, sometimes when I jump around like that, people have a hard time following me, and uh, so just know that that's coming up, because we're starting today a series on healing, and um, some of you are like, why are you doing a series on healing now? You know, is that even for today? We're going to address some of those things, like is healing for today? What does this look like? What does this mean? But I think a few things. One, I always say we have four core values that I need people to buy into if they want to be part of our church. You don't have to agree with my theology. You don't have to agree with a lot of the things I say, but my four core values are this. Jesus is our Savior. Jesus is our healer. Jesus is our baptizer with the Holy Spirit, and Jesus is coming back. Now, that last one, I think, can really get you in the weeds because people want to talk about dates and times and predictions and that. I believe he's coming back. Don't worry about when. Be ready. All right? There we go. That one's solved. Now, Jesus is Savior. Some people struggle with that, but at the end of the day, most of us that are going to be consistently in church are going to go, yeah, I believe that God has a, you know, has a plan and a purpose, and you're saying that that's this. And even if you may think that there's other options or other whatever, at the end of the day, we grasp that. Baptized with the Holy Spirit and healer are the two. We're even in the church today, the charismatic, whatever, however you define us, that's where people get struggle. Because they wonder, is the Holy Spirit still today, and are, is healing and the miracles still for today? So I'm doing this series because we need a reminder we need to discover the truth about healing because I think there's a lot of things that I would say, they're not false or lies, but I don't know that I necessarily agree with them. And yet at the end of the day, you don't have to agree with me. And that's okay. We can still be friends. We can still grab lunch this week. Just shoot me a text. We've seen several in our church right now going through illnesses, serious illnesses. We have people that are struggling with cancer, multiple people that are struggling with cancer right now. We had somebody fall out of a tree this week and spend six hours in surgery. And when I went to talk with him, he's the eternal optimist. He's like, oh, I'm fine. I'm going to go home in a couple of days. It'll probably be a week before I can cut trees. And they're saying, you may never be the tree cutter again that you think you are. And he's like, oh, no, they don't know what they're talking about. I'd like to say he just literally believes that God's going to miraculously heal him. I think he's just a little too optimistic. (laughs) But I also know God can heal his body. We live in a world that doubts the miraculous or they fear the miraculous. Miracles are not for us to show how great we are. Miracles are always for us to point towards the goodness of God. And I think sometimes people get messed up because they believe that they have this gift. And if they have the gift, then they control it. And that's not at all what the scripture tells us. It says the gift is a gift from God. And how does he impart that? The same way he imparts the message of salvation, the same way he imparts any other truth, he does it through his people. And so I've I've seen people advertise, come to this healing seminar or come to this, this healer and they'll heal you. No. The Holy Spirit is using them in some way to heal people. And that is not the same as them being a healer. I have a friend who's blind. He went blind when he was 22 years old. Some of you may have met him because he's been around a few different times. His name is Andy Opie, which is just a great name. 
And my friend Andy, when he first went blind, he was about 23, 24, and he went blind. Prior to that, he was in uh, studying broadcast journalism, wanted to be a sports writer. He was actually a pitcher in, uh, for his high, sc- high school and college um, team. And he, he always says he had no accuracy, but boy, they were scared of his pitches coming in. And I'm like, okay, that's pretty good. And uh, we went one time, as a side note, we went one time, and you know how at a baseball game, sometimes they'll have that, see how fast you can pitch? Well, he's blind, and so he walks up there with his stick, and he's like, Jeff, you got to just point me. And like at first, the guy's like, are you really going to do this? He's like, yeah. So then a crowd gathers, because they want to see the blind guy throw the ball, and there's a net on the side, so people are And so he goes, just point my hand where I actually need to throw. So I pointed his hand. He takes a windup. He throws. His first one is 87. I said, 87? And, and the crowd's like, oh, and he goes, oh, I can beat that. So then he throws, his next one's 85, and he goes, late release, late release, and he gets a third pitch, and he comes in at 90. He's like, I knew I could beat 87. I said, none of them were strikes. He goes, they never were. Even when I could see, none of them were strikes. (laughs) But he loses his sight. And somebody came up to him about two years into it and said, I know this healer, and if you'll go and wait in line. And he said, you should just follow him around. I followed him around for four years before God healed me. And he looked, he goes, I don't have four years of my life to waste standing in the line. He said, if, I don't, if God can heal me, he can heal me right now. Pray for me. I love to be prayed for. Pray for me. And if God wants to heal me, I'll, I'll be healed. But if not, tomorrow I'm going to get up and do what I have to do to live my life. Since he went blind, he's completed his college degree, his master's degree. He was a missionary for five years in Thailand. He's now completing his doctorate because his sight is not who he is. His mind still works. He's gotten married since then. I did the play-by-play for his wedding because he needed somebody to tell him what was going on at all times because normally we have certain visual cues. He doesn't have those. So I... stood in the back by the sound booth, and I'm just talking to him the whole time, telling him what's happening, what's going on, and what to do next. Making little jokes and remarks along the way. <laughs> he has two children. His family enjoys hiking. And I was like, it's interesting you enjoy hiking. He goes, that's eh, no different than any other walk. <laughs> they get excited to see something, and I always just go, wow, that's cool. <laughs> but see, he understands Does he want to see? Absolutely. He said, I would love to be able to see again. But my sight doesn't define who I am. And if God wants to do the miraculous, I don't got to go wait in line somewhere. I just have to be there. You know what? Too often times when somebody claims to be a healer, even if they are being used by the Holy Spirit, it's about them and their show and their gift and the way they blow on you or wave at you or wave. I'm not. I don't want it to sound like I'm critical of that. What I'm saying is you don't have to have the show because the Holy Spirit is working through his people. And you sitting right there right now who's doubting whether or not God could ever use you can use you to heal people. And that's scary, but it's reality. However, we have to be willing. I think one of the reasons I wanted to do this series is I think we've lost our belief that God heals people any longer. We rely on medicine, not a bad thing. If you're on medicine, I'm not telling you to get off. What I am telling you to do is to continue to go to God and say, God, I want to be healed. But here's a few things healing is not. Healing does not make us immortal. Lazarus was raised from the dead. Lazarus is not still amongst us today. So he was raised from the dead, which I fully believe, and he died again. 
people are not immortal. And there is a time at which we're going to die. Therein lies my, again, going back to being real comfortable with Jesus is our soon coming king. Jesus is coming one way or another. You're going to meet Jesus, so let's be prepared. But healing does not make us immortal. However, I also don't believe that God wants us to live in this life suffering. But we have time after time after time of where we have accounts of where Jesus healed people, but we also have Paul who says, I have a thorn in the flesh, and he's never healed of it. We don't know what it is, but we know that he has some type of issue, some type of ailment, some type of something, and he's not healed. So healing isn't, oh, if I'm just a good enough Christian, I'll be healed. If I just follow this pattern, if I just say this prayer, if I just go stand in this line, I'm going to be healed. That's not how it works. The Holy Spirit heals us through his son, Jesus. Here's what Foursquare believes. Foursquare was founded, our denomination was founded by a woman named Amy Simple McPherson. She was controversial. She was on the edge of a lot of things. She was a four, like at the forefront of the suffrage movement. Um, she was the first woman in the United States to own a radio license. She was one of the first women in the country to have a pilot's license. And she was also a huge showman. So she's got that side. So she's very flamboyant. Did a lot of things. Wore all white dresses and loved to carry red roses down this long stairway to the stage. Okay, so she's got some different things going on. Not my look. But at the same time, she believed that the Holy Spirit wanted to move in and through people. Wanted to quicken people. One of the things she said was, we believe that the divine healing is the power of the Lord Jesus Christ to heal the sick and the afflicted in answer to believing prayer. That he is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Look right up there, you might notice that. And has never changed, but is still an all-sufficient help in our time of trouble. So I'm going to set this here. I hope it doesn't offend anybody that I put it on the communion table. If it does, talk to me, and I'll stop doing it. I really will. I'll stop at that moment. So she's a traveling evangelist that goes to heal. She goes to preach, but one of the things she does at each place is heals. One of the things she said along the way is, I'll do whatever I need to do to draw people in the doors, and people are broken and want healing. She never set out to be a healing evangelist. What she set out was to tell the gospel to the world. We live in a lost, dark Broken world, she wanted people to know. And you think, well, yeah, but wasn't that a more quaint time? Remember, the spiritual climate of our country prior to World War II was actually less number of Christians than there are today. Now, people were different. They had this awe and respect. They'd take off their hat if there was a prayer. But actual relationship with Jesus prior to World War II was less than what it was today. Leading up and into World War II, we suddenly had this huge reliance as a nation on God. Then all the way through the 1960s, we saw the church grow. And then through the 70s, we saw the church stagnate and start to shrink. In the 80s, we saw this big church movement. So everybody thought more people were going to church. But technically, since the late 80s, we've been on a steady decline. So large churches in America continue to get larger. Smaller churches continue to close at a rate of we lose about 12 to 15,000 actual total churches a year in the United States. That's how many close their doors, and that's the, more than that close their doors, that's the net loss each year in our country. It's about 12 to 15,000 right now. 
So big churches get bigger, small churches get smaller, and people assume that the church is growing because they see we have 24-7 coverage. You can watch church services on TV now. We see all these things the big churches do, and yet in reality, did you know that there's almost an equal number, if you take all the small churches in America and all those that are 1,000 and more, there's about the same number of salvations in the two every year. There's actually more baptisms and more Holy Spirit baptisms in churches that are under 200, if you take all of those combined, than in the churches over 200, all of those combined. Because smaller churches, they're more of a family, and they feel like, oh, we can still do these things. And you get to be a certain size, and it gets really hard to do baptism. What, are we supposed to baptize 50 people? You know, or whatever. I don't know their mindset, and I'm not criticizing. I'm just giving you statistics. I love the large churches. I love what they represent, and I love their power and ability to influence and change society. We're probably not going to change society, but if we were a 10,000-person church, we'd have much more say in society. That doesn't make us bad or wrong. It makes us who we are. All of this is getting to my point on healing. Stick with me. So this is what happened in America. The church began to grow, and less and less and less did we want to see the Holy Spirit up front. We don't want to scare people. I've always said the worst thing the church can do is be a bunch of weirdos. That does not help the cause of the gospel if you're a weirdo, whether that's in church or outside. One of the things I say often is maybe more people would come to Jesus if we'd be a little bit less of a jerk. And most of the time I'm talking to myself about that because I I get so frustrated in retail situations. Unrealistically, stupidly frustrated, it's me. But I'm in Fred Meyer or Target, and they can't help me find a product that they sell. It's on your website. I don't know if we carry it. It's on, it's on your website. It doesn't say website only. I don't think so. And then I walk like three aisles, and there it is. I'm like, it's, I want to go get the employee. It's right here. So the next person that asks about oatmeal, it's here. You guys have that. <laughs> it's me. I'm the one that's a jerk. I get it. But I often think if we'd be a little bit less of a jerk, maybe, maybe people could see who Jesus is. But instead, we put up all these things. And so the church put up these things because they don't want to be weird. We don't want to scare people off. And yet I still say, I want to see the Holy Spirit move. Somebody recently asked me, when do you make room for the Holy Spirit in your services? And I said, you know what? We have Thursday night prayer. There's only two or three people. But I love the fact that those people are faithful to show up and that the Holy Spirit can move. And nobody's going to go, oh, wow, that's... Because they're inviting you, come and be prayed for, come and pray. They know how to pray and how to speak and how to let the Holy Spirit move through them and in them. That's where the Holy Spirit gets to move and be alive and working in our church. It's not that he can't at other times. It's that I have a very strong idea that we don't want to chase people off because the last thing I want is to have to chase them back and say, no, 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 come and hear the gospel because they're scared of us. So, a few things that Foursquare believes. Healing, oh wait, I'm sorry, i got to finish where I was before. So, we get to the late 50s, late 60s, the church begins to decline. We change the way church looks to try to make it more appealing. But at the same time, in some ways, we begin to stop seeking the very things that the Holy Spirit wants to bring into our church. And one of those things is, all the gifts of the Holy Spirit he wants to see active in the church but he wants to see healing in the church. And 
It's not that we compromised our faith, because I still believe we are following Jesus, but it's that we changed what our priority is. And when we changed our priorities, which we do throughout life, we've somehow now said, well, we're not going to do healing because that might freak people out. It would, but at the same time, if they're the ones who are healed, it doesn't matter. So we still make room for sometimes during worship, sometimes after worship. I invite anybody that has anything, anything you want prayer for. And I'm going to get to the, um, not just the physical side, but on the 17th, I'm going to talk about the spiritual side of healing, the emotional side of healing, all right? Because I believe that it all goes hand in hand. And the mental side of healing. Because I think that's one where, way where the church has really failed people. So, here we are today. We, it's not that we don't believe in healing. It's that we don't keep it at the forefront. And so some people don't even know that it's one of our things. But Foursquare believes this. Healing is for all people. Healing is not outside the confines of the natural, but is within the realm of the world God created. And finally, healing comes from God. Whether medicine is involved or the miraculous occurs, God is the creator of us. God is the healer of us. So that doesn't mean he doesn't use doctors. I'm not anti-doctor. I'm pro-doctor. I just don't go see them often. (laughs) I grew up going to a chiropractor, not a doctor. You'll have to forgive me that I don't ever go to a doctor now. If you grew up only going to chiropractors, you'd understand. So I believe that God can do incredible things still. I believe he wants to heal us and he wants to make us whole. But what is our response to that? James 5, 14 and 15 tells us this. Is anyone among you sick? Let him call for the elders of of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith will save the sick and the Lord will raise him up. And if he has committed any sins, he will be forgiven. favorite part of that whole scripture is not the fact that he's going to be healed but it's the part that says and if he's committed any sins he will be forgiven because Jesus doesn't just care about your physical side he cares more about your spiritual side because your spiritual side is the part that lives on beyond this earth beyond this body and yet he says I want to heal you so when I was growing up in the 70s We still had, I was in a much more Pentecostal-style church, and every Sunday night, we would do our hymns, and then we would do our prayer time before the message. And sometimes that went three minutes, and sometimes that went an hour, and you didn't know, and you didn't get the pick. And when you're seven, eight, and nine, you just end up falling asleep on the pew or underneath it, depending on how loud things were. If it got really loud, I'd lay on the floor under it because it dulled the sound. That's not a joke. It's what I did. That was our Sunday night services. And they might go 45 minutes or they might go two hours, but we were going to pray for the sick. And people would bring people that they knew were sick and they would be prayed for. And I experienced the miraculous. And in the mind of a seven and eight-year-old, it didn't make me go, wow, I want God. You know what it did? Scared me to death. Because even though I believed it happened and I experienced it, It was the way it was experienced that then scared me. And so, in my mind, I'm like, I don't want to do that to other people. And yet, at the same time, 
I sometimes think I've gone too far the other way where there are people who desperately need to be healed and it's more important than my feelings and whether or not I like the way it happens. So that's why I don't want to be critical of somebody else's method, but I want to tell you this. We can't be so caught up in the, it has to happen this way, that we miss the opportunity to pray for our neighbor who's sick. We can't be so caught up in the, I've got to see them healed, that I don't take the time to make dinner and deliver it to them. Because you know what? Maybe more than anything, they need to know that they're still loved. When Jesus touches a leper, it's not just the act of healing. It's the act of going up to somebody who's untouchable, touching them and reminding them, you're still seen. You still exist. And too often times, we want to make it this, okay, I'll go up, I'll get prayed for healing, and then I walk out the door and I did my duty because I came up. But I want to make it more of a community thing where we come up and we pray with you. And we believe that God's going to do something. And whether he does or not, we've experienced something together. So here's a few Old Testament references to healing. If you're wondering, where does all this come from? Exodus 23, 25, and 26. God blesses them, and he takes away their sickness while they're in the wilderness. However, it never says that death is removed. They still die while they're in the wilderness. They just die, just don't wake up one day, I guess. Because he takes away their sickness. He gives them wholeness, but they still are not immortal. They're still mortal. Psalm 103, 2 and 3. Honor God because he is healer. Not he may be your healer. It says he is your healer. So you're called to honor God. Isaiah 53, 5 tells us that because of the wounds and the abuse Jesus took, by his stripes you are healed. Prophetic of who Jesus is and of the work he's going to do in people's lives. New Testament references to healing. 1 Peter 2, 24 references the scripture I just read, Isaiah 53. That Jesus came so that you could be healed. He didn't just come for your salvation. He comes for the wholeness of who you are. He wants you to be saved, but he wants you to be whole. He wants you to experience his wholeness and his presence. Mark 5, 21 through 23, Jairus' daughter. They come and get Jesus, and he says, my daughter's sick. And Jesus keeps getting interrupted as he's on his journey. And then somebody comes and says, it's too late, she's dead. And Jesus looks and says, she's not dead, she's only sleeping. He's like, no, they know she's dead. And he goes, no, let's go check. And they go, and the first thing she does is, says she's hungry. Jesus' healing showed that he didn't have to be there. It's the first occurrence where we see somebody's healed and he's not right there present Matthew 15 21 through 28 shows that a Gentile shows her faith so healing isn't just for the Jews it's also for the Gentiles and when we call upon God it's for you and I today Mark 6 7 through 13 tells us this And he called the twelve to himself, and he began to send them out two by two, and he gave them power over unclean spirits. He commanded them to take nothing for their journey except a staff, no bag, no bread, no money in their belts, but to wear sandals and to not even put on two two tunics. 
And he said to them, In whatever place you enter a house, stay there till you depart from that place. And whoever will not receive you nor hear you, when you depart from there, shake the dust off your feet. Under your feet is a testimony against them. Assuredly, I say to you, it will be more tolerable for Sodom and Gomorrah in the day of judgment than for that city. So when they went out and preached that, people should repent. And they cast out demons, and they anointed with oil many who were sick, and healed them. In other words, it wasn't just Jesus. He looks at his disciples, and he says, you can go and do this. You can go and do this. And he looks at you and he says, you can go and do this, and I'm sending you out, and I'm empowering you, and I'm telling you, you can do this. The problem is, we have to, A, be willing, and we have to, B, remember, it's not me. It's the Holy Spirit working through me to heal people. And I think sometimes what happens is we pray for someone, they don't get healed, and suddenly, I'm not doing that 